Welcome back to Koinonia. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. I'm talking with Joel uh, Fritz. He's our executive pastor. Joel, I remember years ago when I was pastoring in California, one of the guys um, who was on our staff said, I just want to preach and teach and pray for people. I don't want to get around involved in all the messes, you know. And I just laughed. It's like, good luck, man. You don't have a clue what this job is. If all we did was preach and teach, we'd have the best job in the world. But it's the it's it's sort of like saying, I want to be a father. I just want to sleep with my wife, eat food, play a little ball with the kids, and I'm not going to mess with the rest of it. You know, being a father is real messy, right? It's, oh, I'm glad it's, you said that because I had it all wrong then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's messy, all right. I mean, one of the funniest things I see in the Bible is that you know it talks about in the Psalms. I can't remember which one. The Lord wants you to have sleep, right? The Lord yeah. gives sleep as a Psalm blessing or whatever. And then he gives you a kid. And then yeah. he, <laughs> you can't sleep anymore. You can't sleep and you go, wait a second. You, you tell me to be fruitful and multiply, and you tell me to sleep at the same time, but then I get the kid. And it's, Says it's he just gives to his beloved sleep. <laughs> I find that pretty funny. So, And, and that's, you know, um, the, the mix of really doing dishes, doing diapers, mm-hmm. doing laundry, doing the shopping— it's not all your wife's work. It's the mm-hmm. it's the challenge of raising kids together. Right. But that's also what makes it beautiful. And you fall Absolutely. asleep exhausted, and yep. and you lay down your life for your kids. And for some reason, you're happy at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah, and and with um, with the church, it's like being a spiritual father. Mm-hmm. And you, Absolutely. we have to know when to get involved in the dynamics that are troubling our people, and when it's their job to take care of it, mm-hmm. and and we'll just sort of encourage them, and God bless, we'll pray for you. Um, and and churches sometimes have fights and battles and people not getting along and all the rest. And w- what's your experience been in walking people through those kind of dynamics? Um, Michael Johnson is a great guy in our community who gave a sermon on Saturday night, and he was talking about reconciliation. And I thought he hit the nail on the head that we're all supposed to be ministers of reconciliation. But I think we have a hard time asking the question exactly what is reconciliation, how we step into a process, or identifying it. But then we look into uh, passages of Scripture like Ephesians 4. It says we, we're supposed to live with one another in a loving way. And then mm-hmm. it says, don't do this, but do it like this. You know, uh, consider, your, consider your brothers and sisters. Really care for them and love them. Uh, you got to put aside jealousies. You got to put aside these things, bitterness mm-hmm. and stuff. And so we got to put that aside in order to see fruitful relationship happen. And I think that's what it's like is that eventually relationships, we can see them best within a family. I think about what I have to put aside, my frustrations with my kids. Self centeredness. My self centeredness, exactly. Mm-hmm. In order to be the best minister or father that I can be to them. Uh, in order to have a good relationship with my wife, I eventually have to set aside my own self-interest in order to care for her. Uh, she has to do the same thing for me. We have to have a mutual exchange. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that we only give. That would be lopsided. Uh, it also means that we get from one another, and we just have to find a balance in those two things. And I think that Scripture backs that up over and over and over again. And then eventually life forces you to learn the, those lessons. That's right. Um, one of my friends, Dennis Peacock, who's actually going to be speaking at Living Streams this coming weekend, he says that marriage is the seminary of the spirit. Mm-hmm. It's um, where the real truths of God's mm-hmm. word get worked into your soul. Right. 
And if you don't take it real serious, if you don't learn to love your spouse and forgive your spouse and encourage your spouse and pray for your spouse, chances are you're going to be at conflict. You're going to be blaming one another. You're going to be frustrated with one another. You're going to be focusing on what they're not rather than thankful for what they are. And um, you're going to flunk out of seminary. That's right. And, you know, I see that happen uh, in the exact same ways right in church. Mm-hmm. It's just that I think that we don't approach church all the time with as much commitment that we have to our spouse or our kids or even other family members. And so if we had a little bit more of that, if we can muster a little bit more of that, then we would see a little bit more fruitful relationship in church because we're just simply committed to one another. Um, but I think too often now we feel the tension and we want to alleviate the tension by just moving on. Yeah. And that's ultimately never going to result in a real solid family dynamic or good relationships for the person who's doing that. Um, in my message this last weekend, one of the points, it was the story of the Canaanite woman who came to Jesus and mm-hmm. fell at his feet and said, my daughter's demon-possessed, and Jesus seemed to ignore her. And then the disciples was like, get this woman out of here. She's causing nothing but trouble. And eventually... Jesus said, this woman has great faith. This woman persevered in spite of what appeared to be rejection by the Lord and the obvious rudeness of the disciples. And one of the reasons she persevered is because her purpose was to get through to Jesus. And everybody listening to us who's in a church, you have to persevere with immature disciples in order to get to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said his priority for us is for us to love one another. So sometimes loving one another means being honest and saying, you're being really rude to me, or you're not being responsible, or please help me understand why you're saying this because it doesn't seem right to me. We have to be honest enough to work through conflicts. And if we expect to just be in a church where everybody's real mature, real loving, real affirming, We're kidding ourselves. It's not going to happen. That place doesn't exist. But we can grow up together. We can be uh, fulfilling God's command to love one another if we're in relationships that are committed, just like we are in a family. You can't have a good family if you're not willing to put up with all kinds of junk because you're going to bug each other as kids get older and they have their own opinions and they manifest their own whatever. It's gonna. You've got uh, brothers, right? You yep. got two brothers, and yep. you guys rub each other the wrong way sometimes, Absolutely. right? <laughs> but you love those brothers, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Give everything for them. Yep. yep. It's true. That's yep. part of what we've got to do. We've got yep. to learn how to love one another, and the reward is in a family you end up with a great family, right? And the reward is in the church you end up with Christ being in your midst in a wonderful, powerful way. And you end up, when you love people that are difficult to love and you get breakthroughs with them, sometimes they become people that God used to really bless you. Mm -hmm. That's very true. We we had a uh, realtor in our church in California, and for whatever reason, she would cause a lot of stress with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was always getting in problems, mostly with other women and I talked to another pastor about her one time, and he just said, get rid of her. She's just a troublemaker. And and I kept thinking about how the Lord says, you know, if we don't love the, our brother who we can see, we can't love God who we can't see. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't feel any permission from the Lord to, quote, get rid of this person or mm-hmm. tell her she's not welcome. 
I told her she needs to quit gossiping. I told her she quit. You gave her a new vision of what, yeah. what things could look like. Yeah. But here's the neat thing. She came to us one time and and said, you, ought to, you and Christina ought to buy a house. And we're like, well, we don't have any money. And she says, well, I've been talking to some people in the church, and they want to help you. And she actually chipped in her real estate commission mm-hmm. and organized a group of people and helped us buy our first house. Wow. Which was this incredible blessing that came to us through somebody who I could have, in one sense, just written out of our church and written out of our life. And it was God's way of reminding me. Mark, yeah. when you love the people, sometimes the most difficult people, I'm going to show you the value of these people that you would have never discovered any other way. Yeah. You know, Mark, uh, as you talk about that, it reminds me of a story that really grieves my heart because there was a, a, a woman in our church, um, and I knew her very well, and she was a wonderful mom and participated, just very involved, an incredible person. I'd call mm-hmm. her a saint, almost mm-hmm. a saint of saints. But there was a point in which she experienced some sort of event or something that caused her to become embittered, and I watched that bitterness uh, eat her alive, literally. And over the course of probably a decade, I watched her draw back from the church, isolate herself, herself not just from the church, yeah. but other friends of hers, yeah. from eventually everybody. Um, and she passed away not too long ago, and uh, going to her funeral was really an interesting experience because almost everybody around was saying the same thing, that they watched this, this person who was just incredible and loved people so intensely withdraw, and as she withdrew and wouldn't reconcile whatever that, 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 that bitterness was, that her life just deteriorated from that point, and it was so sad to see that happen. But it was also so wonderful to see how forgiving everybody was and um, how we were able to remember her as she was before that. Yeah. But to see somebody who locks onto that and can't figure out how to reconcile and restore relationships. Well, l- let me difficult. tell you one of the reasons that happens is that we assume that everybody's like us. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you're a sensitive person and um, somebody is rude to you, it hits you a lot harder than if you're sort of a, a hardened person, and like because when you're a hardened person, you don't even get the subtleties of life. And so you offend people without even trying, without even wanting to. You just do it naturally. I've been doing that for years, you know. <laughs> um, but a sensitive person assumes that this other person is like she or he is, and they assume that the person's being purposefully spiteful, purposefully mean, purposefully nasty and rude. They must hate me because they're doing this. And they don't often understand that, no, they're just doing it out of the blindness mm-hmm. of their own life. Mm-hmm. And so they don't. that sensitive person that's being wounded, that person doesn't usually need somebody to correct them for those kind of behaviors because that's where their strength in Christ is. That's where their insight is. And so they don't think that this other person needs to be corrected. They assume this other person has the same level of insight that they do. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is a dilemma. We have to realize that we're all wired really different. Mm -hmm. And sometimes your most precious, loving, sensitive people won't challenge somebody else who's being rude because they think, that the person's doing it completely on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, we're going to finish this interview in just a moment. Stay tuned. I'm Mark Buckley, and my guest is Joel Fritz. We're from Living Streams Church, and we're glad to be with you today on Koinonia. 